Hi there, my name's Ushin Lunny and welcome to Audio Talks presented to you by Harman. And this episode will be exploring the fast-paced world of social media in the music business with someone who is a master of the art. For this deep dive in going viral and how new platforms change the music industry, I am delighted to be joined by the SVP of Digital and Creative at the Mighty Empire and founder of Everybody Knows, Moody Jones. Welcome Moody, how are you doing mate? Very well, very well. Excited to be here. Excited to chat it up uh, and help share some value with the listeners. Oh, thank you so much, Moody. It's great to see you now. We met at the Digital Marketing World Forum and Moody had gave a great fireside chat very much around the topic of going viral and he really does know his stuff. Um, but I think it'd be informative for the listeners if they're not familiar with your work already. Tell us a bit about the backstory. Um, what do you do now and how did you get to where you are? So currently I oversee a majority of the marketing and for the rollouts at Empire. So that's everything from what the artwork should look like, you know, how much to spend on a music video, where to promote it, how to promote it, sometimes even what what sort of feature would help push a record and coming up with out-of-the-box ideas to help artists reach a wider audience. I've been at Empire for four and a half years now. Prior to being at Empire, I used to have my own agency called Everybody Knows, where Empire was one of my clients, and that's where the connection came together. Other clients I used to work with at the time were Brent Fias, J-Lo, St. John. And prior to that, I worked at an agency called Duevo, which is now uh, one of the top agencies in the world for music promotion. And prior to that, I actually had an HR company that I sold to... I was in an accelerator program and I sold the HR company to our main investor and that, and he was the main investor in the agency. And that's how I got looped into the music industry. And, um, I got here from throwing parties, um, from helping. I used to throw parties in in Montreal where I went to college. Awesome. I had a, a weekly event called everybody knows, and we would try and help local artists help everybody know about them. And that's how the party started. And it turns out the parties got bigger because I was good at promoting them online. And that's how it came full circle. Oh, fantastic. Well, it sounds very much like you followed your passion and you really kind of seized the opportunity and you also kind of went with the flow and saw what came up next to like new opportunities seem to come from what you're doing to open up new doors for the future. But tell us a bit about Empire. Now, Empire is kind of a, a powerhouse, a creative powerhouse. And it releases so much good music. I mean, t- talk to us a bit about some current releases or current artists that you're working with. So today, uh, we dropped uh, a little over 30 projects, ranging from all different genres, from dance to hip-hop to Afrobeat to R&B. So we dropped Alicia Keys. Wow. We dropped a T-Pain single. We dropped a Money Man album. We dropped a Babytron album. We dropped a Timmy single. We dropped a, oh, even Rock. We have Rare Americans. I dropped a single. Sweet. We cover a gamut of releases. Um, the reason we're able to do that is we're an independent company. And uh, a lot of people don't understand what that means, but it basically says you get to do whatever you want as an artist. So um, if all these artists decide this is the day they wanted to release their music, then that's the day their music will get released. If we think there's a better date in mind, we will suggest it or advise. But at the end of the day, it's their call. We understand that in today's world, a lot of artists are also entrepreneurs. A lot of artists also have other things going in their life. And so moving a date isn't as easy as it used to be. And at the same time, we feel that 
we're here to support the release. If if this is the best date that works for you, we will make it work. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great place to be in, and uh, that applies internally and externally. Not just the, do artists have full creative control. I think internally as well, we all feel like we have control. We all feel like entrepreneurs in our roles. You know, there isn't a standard procedure of doing things. Everyone kind of starts on a role and just owns it, and uh, and that's and that's how the company operates. Now, uh, before we kind of get into the social side of things, I'm curious to know what really motivates you and what has motivated you throughout your career? Because it seems quite organic. You're following your passion and really making great creative things happen. But what's the motivation? I just never liked the idea of not having choices or options. And when I was growing up, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, which is you have less choices and you have less options than most places in the world. and I spent a lot of time in the car with my parents, and when it came to English or American music, we were we only had like a handful because the songs had to be fit for all family, for like a whole family. You know, you can't be talking about sex, you can't be talking about drugs. So we only got to listen to a limited amount of music. And I, I remember growing up, I rebelled against it. I hated that I could only listen to a handful of songs. And and there was so much great music out there. And, you know, the internet had just started and, you know, everyone was using Pirate Bay and LimeWire and I was discovering all this other music and I hated that it wasn't on the radio too. So I rebelled and started listening to Slipknot and Limp Bizkit and Metallica. And we had to smuggle those albums into the country. And if you got caught, you'd go to jail, which is crazy when you think about it now. And then um, I just became obsessed with the idea of educating people that, there's so much great music out there compared to what's just presented to you. And that became like my mission is letting everybody know about all these other artists that are so talented and so good. And all they're missing is just having the music presented to you at the right time. And so uh, I made it a mission to, to do that. That's fantastic. Yeah, you're, you're kind of... Uh opening the gates and, you know, making sure there's no gatekeepers and, you know, people can experience what they want to experience. That's fantastic. And um, talk to us a bit about how this fits into your role at Empire. You mentioned briefly in the intro the kind of things you do, but, you know, what's a typical kind of week at Empire for you? What kind of work are you doing with your artists? Typical week will involve a few artist meetings where that's when the artists will come in with their team, play their project for us, we talk about the creative direction, the concept, and then try and come up with ideas of how we will roll something out. That's like the high level stuff. And then it's like looking over all the data from our catalog, seeing if there's any changes in behavior, seeing if there's any upticks or downticks, um, trying to identify where this is coming from. You know, sometimes it's from Shazam, sometimes it's from TikTok, sometimes it's from a show they played, sometimes the artist just got engaged and all of a sudden their music is booming. But trying to figure out what those variables are that are causing that and then trying to think of ways to capitalize from that moment and continue building a story. So it's a mixture of analytics and foresight using like cultural intelligence. So trying to find things that are happening in today's world that this can relate to. You know, we'll go over our releases for the week or for the month and think about every project and if there's things that we can do outside the box that haven't been done. You know, like last week, we had, a, we had a release by an artist named Shitty Boys. And so we made them toilet paper and the toilet paper says Shitty Boys on it. And uh, <laughs> I forgot how much we were selling them for. It was like five bucks or something. 
And now they're selling for over $200 (laughs) and it's literally toilet paper. That's the thing about Empire. Like what other label has has a group named Chitty Boys are like going out of their way to promote them because they believe in them and they see the fan base. And we got this done in like 10 days. Like we did, we came up with the concept, did everything just because I'm talking about ideas. Like we had another artist a couple of weeks ago. His name was Al Bial. He was convicted of, I think two counts or three counts of homicide. Um, and he was in jail and, uh, long story short, he wasn't charged and he, he was set free. And so we ended up getting a billboard in front of the prison where he was in. I think the billboard just said, I'll be out, I'm free now or something. And we put it in front of the prison. And so all the prisoners in there are looking out and seeing the, a billboard with his name in. And last week he was just in there. You know, things like that. The way I feel it works is if you think of ideas that would only that artist can get away with. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that only that idea would only work for him. There's no other artist in the world where that idea would work for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like you kind of mix, you know, the new modern world of data and metrics and, you know, granular visibility of what's happening in the digital world, but also with a lot of soul and a lot of creativity. And you're bringing, you know, fun and playfulness and some pretty kind of badass stuff into the mix there as well. I mean, how do you see your role in terms of that overlap of technology and creative director? How does that work for you with your artists? I think a a large part of why we have a competitive advantage over our competition or why I've found success in my role is we're literally in the trenches all the time. Not just me, everyone in the company. Like I can be in the studio with the artists until midnight, you know, watching them record. I will leave. Ghazi, who's our president, will still be there till 2 a.m. And then maybe starts like mixing the record for them. You know what I'm saying? Like we're actually out there. Like it was ADE last week. We had like 15 employees out there. We were all at, you know, all the panels. We went to all the parties. You know, we were out till 2, 3 a.m. meeting the artists, meeting the crowd, seeing the fans, going back, doing all our meetings. I, I don't think I saw one CEO out there that was doing the same thing or one SVP that was doing that. And I think being out there is how you start to be able to bridge data with culture. You also earn that respect from artists. Artists really want to rock with you because you're you're really out there with them, you know? We're working on this album right now that's a, that's a compilation of all our African artists. We flew all our artists into our studio here in San Francisco. We did a lockout, two weeks. They sat, recorded all the music. We came up with all the concepts and like we have all this footage from them like dancing and jamming and like the like we understand so much more what the album means and what the words mean and their language and their culture from being in the room with them and seeing that, I I don't know a lot of labels that do that. The other thing is what I've learned from being on the advertising side and being on the agency side is data will only show you so much. Like you can manipulate data to say whatever you want it to say, you know, and coming from a marketing agency, I can send a report to anyone and be like, oh, this campaign is so good. Look at these numbers. But you, you can manipulate numbers to say whatever story you want it to say. The only real value or success metric there is, is actual fans, like actual followers, a click or a like, or like that stuff is not really fans. Like having, having a million monthly listeners on Spotify doesn't mean you can sell a hundred thousand tickets. It doesn't mean you can sell a thousand tickets. 
you know? And so that's, that's the actual fan you want to find. Okay, I'm, I'm ranting on now to other topics. So let's, <laughs> no, stick, let's stick to the I script. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a really good point there. You know, it's not just about racking up the numbers. They're kind of meaningless. They're obviously supportive, but they, they can be a bit meaningless. You know, what you were talking about is actually you know, getting to the soul of the artist, being a true creative partner and helping them build a community and build a global fan base or a hyper-local fan base or, or whatever it is. You know, so I get the feeling that your metrics for measuring success at Empire are possibly different to some other labels out there who might be all about the streams, all about the clicks or whatever. I mean, do you, do you think your way of measuring success is is very particular to Empire? I think it's we just taken more variables than than they do. You said one of the magic words, which is community. You know, the examples I mentioned earlier, like like the toilet paper, like that would make no sense to anyone else. But that product wasn't for everyone else. That was just for their fan base. Like th- think about it if it was in terms of streams. If every stream was five dollars, you know, now those streams are worth two hundred dollars. Like that's you know that that's way more tangible. Than, than a stream. It's like an actual product that people want and are fighting over. And it's just toilet paper. But that shows <laughs> you the community that the artist built, you know? Totally, yeah. And I think that's the that's that's the metrics we look at. We go to the show, we meet them in person. Like that's, that's one of our biggest things. Like every employee we hire has to go through the executives of the company, meet them in person. The idea's intuition is probably more important to us than just data. Yeah, fantastic. You know, that, that thing of, uh, you know, quote unquote ears in the music business, you know, being able to hear something with quality and, you know, we kind of have these lives that are overlapping with the digital world so much these days. You know, you have to be in the real world connecting on a cultural level, but also uh, able to help them take advantage of these incredible new platforms. And I noticed you mentioned TikTok earlier, and this is an area where, you know, you personally and Empire are massively strong and your artists are massively strong. I mean, how do you keep abreast of the new platforms and help your artists make the most of them? Is there any kind of approach in terms of adopting new technology? Personally, the way it's worked for me is, you know, when I was growing up, my dad used to always tell me, you always want to make sure to be the youngest person in the room. For some reason, I always took it to heart. But as I got older, or where I am currently, I've realized that, no, I actually don't want to be the youngest person in the room. I want to be one of the eldest because it's rare for the old person to be invited in a, in a cool young person's room. You know, And young people don't want to hang out with old people. So if you're there, you're lucky. And to do that, you have to have no ego, which is also something that's helped me a lot. Like I learned from most of the people on my team, they're younger than me. And I have to, I have to know that I have to know that just because I have more experience, just because I might've done more things doesn't mean I know more than them at all. And I'll listen to everyone's point of view. I'll listen to their perspectives, how they're spending their time, what their behaviors are, and I'll learn from them. And TikTok is basically one big room of young people. They don't want old people on there. That's really what it is. Right. <laughs> and that's why yeah. they're, you know, all the older people are like, I don't get TikTok. It's because you're not cool. It's for young people who are cool. (laughs) And uh, the barrier to entry is really high. And so if you're in that room, you're part of the cool club, at least today. And the other thing is a lot of people don't think about is some of the advantages I see is TikTok has taught young people how to be disciplined and how to run companies. And I don't think people think about that enough. Like I'll meet 14 year olds who have a, a content schedule 
Like I wake up at nine, I got to post my TikTok at 10. Then I'm going to have lunch. Then I'm going to do my homework. Then at three, I'm going to do my next TikTok. And then I got to research, find out which hashtags. Da, da, da. Like that's a full-time job that a 14-year-old has taught himself to do. And when we were growing up, we didn't have any of that. And so I think we're looking down the line like this next generation is going to be so much more entrepreneur savvy and have a way, way more experience than we were we're pretending like they would. We, we keep saying like life was so hard for us compared to you. Every generation always says theirs was harder. But if you think about it, they're working, they're producing way more than we ever did. They're engaging way more than they ever did. They, they're meeting way more people than we ever did. You meet kids with LLCs today. You know, I didn't know what an LLC was until I was like 24. You know, it's, it's a completely different world. And on TikTok, the beauty of it with the music industry is it allows the fans to decide what really matters and what doesn't. Like we used to always market a whole project. We used to market a whole song. We used to market a whole album. But TikTok has allowed you to break it down to verses, to break it down to layers, to break it down to, you know, like some people just like 12 seconds of a song. That song's been around for 20 years, but no one realized those 12 seconds were those powerful until today. And it was a fan who was alone in, in their house who just listened to it and connected with something happening today that none of us did because no one has that perspective but them. And then once they post it, then everyone's like, oh shit, how come I didn't think about that? And then it blows up. And the other thing is it allows you, you know, like in the past, if you had a hip hop album, you just promoted it to you know, a hip hop audience. And that was it. But today you can, you can break it down into one song. You can break that song into five different verses and each verse goes to a different community, goes to a different audience, goes to a different demographic and everyone will find something they can connect with in that record. Right. Right. And this sounds a lot like some advice in terms of how artists should be looking at their music as something to launch on social media, to, to use on TikTok. You know, you talked about chopping it up into different verses there. Do artists come to you for advice or is it more collaborative? I mean, first of all, the, the way it works is every relationship is different. There's artists that we collaborate with on everything. We, you know, we text each other. We have group chats. We're like, you should do this. You should do that. There's artists that are on the other side of this conversation, be like, hey, here's my record, just promote it, just make it blow. And then there's artists who say, I don't need anything from you. And then there's the opposite, artists where I go to and I say, hey, can I learn a thing or two from you? Because the way you did that was incredible. You know, they appreciate that. They're like the label is recognizing how hard I'm working. Point is, the advice I would give is Remove your blinders. I think you you stay, sometimes you're in your bubble so much and you, you take advice from your friends or your colleagues. The reason TikTok is, is what it is is because it's no longer a closed room, for lack of a better word. When people post on TikTok, they're not thinking about their followers. They're just thinking if it's good content or not. On Instagram, you post and it's, let's say you have a thousand followers, 300 of your followers will see it. And then if it's good, then it moves up. Da, da, da. TikTok is different. You can have 10 followers, but then a million people will see your, your video, you know? And, and that's because the content isn't for your followers. The content is based on an algorithm that's related to your taste, your past clicks, you know, what you've searched for recently. So even though you and I have never seen each other's profile, because you searched something recently and my video has something to do with that, it'll pop for you. And if it's something that's trending right now, we're resonating with people now, 
more and more people will see it. I guess it's teaching everyone to be a little bit more open-minded, you know? Like, it doesn't matter whose content it is. If the content's good, I'll engage with it. Versus during the height of Instagram, it was like taboo if you like liked someone's photo you didn't know, you know? Or if you commented on someone, you know what I mean? TikTok changed that. It's like, no, it's, yeah, you, 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 should, you should do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's good content. On Instagram, it was like, no, you're being creepy. It's interesting. And, and, that's, and that's the difference between one generation and the next. I mean, if there's anybody listening who really wants to up their game on social media in terms of music promotion, are there any key bits of advice that you would share with them from your experience? I would say just run with it, like have a wider net, have a much wider net. And I think it's egos to me is one of the biggest killers for most artists where they want to just put out the music and let the fans come find them. No one does that anymore. Actually, fans care more about your personality than they care about your music. So put yourself out there more. Fans really f with people who they connect with and like they like their lifestyle and what they're doing. And, and then their music is part of that. And today, people think that when you're an artist, like music is your music is not your destination. Music is just your vehicle. You know, you use your music to do other things. Like now creators are directors and writers and producers and dancers and singers. You know what I mean? And at the same time, you know, they're doing podcast sessions or something. I don't know, but it's so music is just a vehicle. So putting all your eggs and saying this is the height of my career, I think is limiting what you can do because there's people that are half your age today that are doing everything you're doing and more. That is some sage advice, my friend. Absolutely true. Yes, uh, some real talk. And, uh, you know, you've kind of spoken there about the philosophy of embracing social media, being open-minded, you know, leaving your ego at the door, looking at your destination as being not just releasing a track, but your track is something that could maybe take you to a, a wider platform. Are there any specific technical tips that you advise people to follow or good practice? I mean, you mentioned meeting, you know, some younger artists there who've got content schedules already and they're 14 or whatever. Are there any like basic hygiene steps that you think every artist should do? Does that exist? At Empire, we believe that, you know, we're, we started off as a distribution company. So we believe that the music should be everywhere, you know? So I think your personality or your brand should also be everywhere, but just figure out a different side or a different perspective of your personality for each platform. I think that would be the first one. Yeah. So, you know, my Instagram could be my polished photos. My TikTok could be, I don't know, my outfits or like my insecurities or, you know, my travels, my food, like stuff that's not related to music at all. Um, you know, my Twitter could be my, my opinions. It could be my, um, you know, it could be my condescending tone on society. It could be whatever. It's just something That's... different. So so that as as a one, you're creating different communities. Yeah. And two, some people might be in cross communities. So some people can like, do you have to give a reason for someone to want to follow you on more than one platform? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like think about your friends, even like how many of your friends follow you everywhere? I you have <laughs> friends in different each one of these places I have different people. Um so giving them something different is is good. And then um specifically for TikTok I would say and the reason I say specifically for TikTok is I think most people have already spent a lot of time on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But put it in your calendar, you know, do 
30 minutes a day where you just watch stuff on TikTok. Wow. You're going to learn something, I promise you. That's the, you know, people used to go to YouTube to learn stuff from cooking to how-to videos to whatever. And I still think YouTube is good for that. It's hard to teach someone like how to fix their car on TikTok. Yeah. But on YouTube, you can't. But you can tell them something they can buy for their car for $5 that's going to fix their car really quickly from TikTok. So I would say put it in your calendar. Um, try and do one video a day to start. And um, until you figure out the type of video or content that you think you're really good at, and then I would delete your account and start a new one and just focus on that. Brilliant. The reason I say that is TikTok, you know, after your first, I forgot, three or five posts, they categorize your account based on the content you post. <sighs> so if your first three or five videos are food related, it categorizes your profile as a food page. Yeah. So once you figure out the content you're good at, delete the account, start a new one, and now be focused on that. So you get categorized properly. And then the algorithm does its magic. This is um, very much advice from inside Empire. And it's, you know, really appreciate you kind of sharing some of these uh, great tips with our listeners. Now, speaking of which, zooming out a bit, aside from artists, do you have any advice for music business professionals about content and personal branding and using social media? Is it a different approach? Should they embrace the same platforms or is it a kind of a different ballgame? I think whenever someone is delivering content, let's say like what we're doing here, Mm That's my artist side. That's the art of me delivering content. Yeah. And the same way in music, as an artist, if you say something or if you do something, you can separate it from who you actually are. Yeah. It's different if you're a music executive or in a music business because that stuff directly connects to who you are. Yeah. It's not a separate entity. It's not a separate. So it's a lot harder than people might think it is. Um, so until we're, it's a world where we can take this as content delivered from an artist separate from from the business executive. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It takes a toll on your mental health, man. Word. Speaking of which, I mean, do you have any kind of routines? I know you work long hours and I follow you on social media and you're very busy, you're doing lots of stuff. How do you kind of manage the pace and manage to kind of keep a good sense of equilibrium and focus and all that good stuff? Um. Well, one thing that would relate to socials is I have two Instagrams. Um, one of them is out like four people, let's say, or four business. Mm-hmm. And the other is for me. Cool. And the for me one is I only follow pages that are about creating wealth or motivational quotes or investment opportunities wow. or people I look up to. There's no entertainment on there. It's stuff that just literally if I spend five minutes on it in the morning, I'm like jacked up. I'm like, let's go build, you know? Fantastic. You know how they say that um, you're the average of like, you know, the five closest people to you. Yeah. I think we're the average of the content uh, around us. Yeah. And the five people around you, that's part of the content. But we overestimate the power of humans. We're actually super sensitive and everything we look at and smell and try actually has a a major impact on us, but we have ego and we think that stuff doesn't make a difference, but that's the reason, you know, a a tiny pill will destroy you for a day, you know, and and you can eat the wrong thing and it will destroy you for two days. And the same goes for content. Like sometimes uh, you can see a picture of something and for four or five hours, your mind is, is in a different place. And, and you think you're over it, but you're not. You're just 
used to it now. You're used to that pain or you're used to that anxiety. Or, mm-hmm. And so um, being wary of that, I try and have content that I feel is going to better me. And from these things, like, you know, I start my day at 5 a.m. I think between 5 and 7 is the least distracting time of the day. No one's going to call me. No one's going to message me. There's no emails. There's nothing. And so those two hours are for me. So I'm not in a rush. I don't want to start my day in a rush. Um, So those two hours, I'll take my time with everything. Or I'll take my supplements. I'll, I'll drink my juices or... I'll pray. I, I always start my day with a prayer awesome. and, and, and speaking to my mom, Yeah, you know, feel grateful about the things in my life. And then I, I go work out and then I, I'm at the office for the next 10 to 12 hours. It doesn't matter. You can bring on whatever the f- you want. <laughs> I can handle it. Yeah. Because I started my day right. Outstanding. Living the Vida Moody. I love it. That's some great inspiration there for our listeners. And I like what you're doing with that particular Instagram account, like creating a vision board every day of folks who inspire you. And really, they're, they're kind of, you know, a bit of a North Star to, to reset yourself. Uh, yeah. That's very cool. I'm trying to increase my average quality of content. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. You have, you know how you have friends, you ask them for recommendations for food or music or based on like what they usually watch, right? You trust this person because they have the best taste in food. Totally. That's because they're consuming the best food, right? And so I'm trying to do that with everything, like all my content. Yeah. So that in general, I carry myself better. I'm, I'm more optimistic. I'm more resilient, which I think is one of the things most of us struggle with is how to get up after you knock down. Sure. And having that content all the time, uh, also it's also cheaper than therapy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a life hack right there. I love it. Absolutely. Moody's life hack. I mean, you know, yeah, sign me up, sign me up, man. Um, speaking of which, um, I mean, this is a great insight into what you do, how you do it, what gets you out of bed in the morning, literally. But what's on your horizons? What's next for Moody Jones? At Empire, we're moving um, into the dance scene, which is something I've been very passionate about for a very long time. Yeah. We just partnered up with a record label out of the Bay called Dirty Bird. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I've been a fan of the label since their inception. Um, you know, I have close relationships with a lot of the people in that building. We're merging, we're working together, and we're going to start pushing out a lot of dance records. So I'm very excited about that. Um, that's on the Empire side. We're also, the African side is my favorite right now at Empire. It's all upbeat music. It's all about love. It's all about giving. There's not as much violence. There's not as much, uh, you know, the culture around it is great. And it's a huge, huge market that deserves the infrastructure, that deserves the resources to push it to the next level. And I'm happy to to be a part of that. Yeah. And then on a personal level, I mean, I have a lot of music coming out. I had one song come out today. There's, oh, I just finished an AI video, which I'm very excited about. Amazing. So the software Literally, you plug in your artwork and you enter a few parameters mm-hmm. and the AI will create the entire music video. That's wild. It's wild. Like this is going to change everything. Like everyone's going to be doing this in the next year. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I'm speaking at a conference in Saudi Arabia and then I'm, I'm playing in Egypt and then I'm playing in Dubai. And Amazing. then, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things happening and... Uh, I'm sure we'll, um, you know, I think we should do this on an annual basis. We should oh, just catch up. Dude, I would love that. Absolutely. We will make that happen. If there 
were, I mean, sorry to put you on the spot like this, but, you know, if there are three empire artists that are kind of exemplars of what empire does in terms of that mix of creativity, data, digital platforms, the whole philosophy, what three artists would you say, go and have a look at these three and this is what empire does? To give it some variety, I would say number one for us, for me, sorry, would be Ashake. Ashake just crossed a billion streams <sighs> yesterday. Wow. That's a big number. That's a big number. And uh, his album is incredible. The most recent album we put out, it has everything from like 108 BPM to 126 BPM. Yeah. You know, some songs sound like house music. Some songs sound like R&B. It's an incredible album. Incredible artist. First project he's ever put out. Keep in mind. Yeah. Which is insane. And doesn't like paid marketing. He doesn't like Facebook ads, doesn't like Instagram ads. He wants his whole promo to be outside the box. So it's what can you guys do that isn't sponsored content? Yeah. Because the culture and his brand and everything, it doesn't make sense to do that. So check out Ashake. Cool. And then next, I would say Money Man. Yes. Just because we've broken so many records with Money Man from being the first artist to be paid in, in Bitcoin to. Yeah, it's incredible. We shut down the LV store yesterday in uh, Houston. Amazing. Um, and I forgot how much we gave away. <laughs> um, Money Man's an incredible artist. And, you know, his music, he talks about saving. He talks about real estate. He talks about investments. You know, he's talking about being smart. Totally. And uh, last last but not least, uh, Santino Le Saint. Um, cool. Just because I love his music. Just check him out. He's so good. Uh, he just crossed a million monthly listeners too, but he writes everything, plays everything, sings everything. It's hella good looking. Um, worth checking out. Amazing. That's fantastic. Right. And uh, we'll be including links to all of those three artists in the show notes, of course, so all of our listeners can check them out. Those are great tips. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to keep you on the spot for one more question, Moody. I'm going to ask you what I ask all of our guests, and that is to choose a track for our VIP title playlist. Damn. Um, <laughs> or or I mean, two tracks I, I, if you're. I want to. You know. uh, okay, if we're gonna do two tracks, yeah. uh, Rotimi, make you say. Cool. Uh, the song just came out yesterday, but I I've listened to it like a hundred times the last two months. It's such a good song. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a song by me that just came out yesterday called Toxic, because it's Scorpio season. You know, Scorpio season's a toxic season, so everyone watch out. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, watch this space. My goodness. Those are two awesome tracks, Moody. Thank you so much. We will link to them in the show notes in the title playlist. And my own contribution to this episode's playlist is from a band called ESG. And the track is called Moody, of course. Ah, love it. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a great ending. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on Audio Talks, presented by Harmon, the great Moody Jones. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and thanks to Harmon and, and everyone who put this together. I appreciate y'all. And uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. 
Listeners, don't forget to subscribe, comment and share Audio Talks with your friends and family. If you're enjoying the Audio Talks series of podcasts, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your favourite podcasts and leave a nice review. It really does mean a lot and it helps our new listeners get to know about amazing guests we talk to in every episode like Moody Jones. So for more exclusive content, some behind the scenes goodies and maybe even some competitions, feel free to connect with us over on the Instagram. You can find us at Audio Talks Podcast. We'll be back soon for some more legendary Audio Talks. See you next time.